Welcome to the Writer Dojo with your host, Steve Diamond. Hey. And Larry Correa. Buenos dias. Today's episode, genre. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Writer Dojo. As usual, we're, we're extremely excited and happy to be with you all. Um, unfortunately for you, for all of you, or maybe fortunately, I'll leave that up to you. I'm not high as I am uh, recording this. Uh, I only have one arm, but no meds for y'all. I'm so sorry. Yeah, for those of you that missed this, Steve had rather extensive shoulder surgery. Uh, as they were like doing all sorts, they like cut his bicep off and reattached it. Yeah, they did all sorts of weird crap. Yeah, he's full of holes. It's it's gnarly. I know, not the normal ones either. Yeah, I mean, not the normal five. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so so Larry. I understand that you want to talk about uh, genre today, yeah. And you want to you want to bring up um, something. It was it was something that was brought up on your Facebook page, and so there's a little quote you want to read, and we're going to talk about how much garbage it is. Yeah. Well, I'm currently banned from Facebook once again, as as usual, because my my thing on Facebook is I get banned for 30 days, I come back for three or four, then get banned for another 30. No regrets. Uh, but the, uh, the, the best part about that is no matter when this episode airs, that part's always true. Um, the tweet that somebody shared, I won't give the guy's name, uh, but the tweet that somebody shared on my, on my fan page and a bunch of fans started arguing about it. And the sad part, the part that made me want to talk about this was some of the writers actually thinking that this was legit. Um, but the, I'll read the tweet. <clears throat> the best thing I've seen today, fantasy is not a genre. It is a setting. Genre is the summation of the plot, colon, adventure, romance, etc. This explains why I don't like most, quote, fantasy books, unquote. The author is, asterisk, trying, asterisk, oh, to write a setting as a genre, which sets off my cheese alarm. Okay, Steve. Oh, boy. So, this our discussion crap. today, if you guys can't tell, is going to be about genre. And what genre is and the nature of genre and so on and so forth. Um, and then we'll get into this tweet here. But the first thing I say is everything I just read, guys, is utter crap. And do not listen to this guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And there's a lot of really horrible writing advice from people on Twitter who have no clue what they're doing. They're just spiking the Dunning-Kruger graph. So we're going to talk about genre today. And I'll come back to this fella with his, uh, his scare quotes. So, so let me, let me hit it from a certain, from, from one particular angle first. And that's in in a previous lifetime, yours truly here used to manage a bookstore. I managed a Walden bookstore. We'll help manage a Walden bookstore. Um, and during the time frame in which I was managing it, um, that store was the number one ranked store in the country, according to specific metrics that they have, which Probably don't mean anything considering Walden Books doesn't exist anymore, right? Yeah, it's like you were the, the number one blockbuster. I know, right? <laughs> so when it comes to genre, the whole purpose of it is to facilitate the sales of books. It's so that you know when you walk into a bookstore, when a customer walks up to a sales associate and says, Hey, Joe Schmo at the bookstore, I want a book that's horror. And you go, okay, cool. And you walk over to the horror section. Now, as I just said that, I realize that's pretty a, a pretty terrible example because most bookstores don't have horror sections anymore to their, uh, to their detriment. Yep. However, 
my, my point stands. You know, if, if, if Sally Mae comes in and wants a romance novel, there's a section for that. If Joe Schmo wants one for mystery, there's a section for that. Well, in modern in modern era, the biggest thing is what Amazon categories are you getting stuck mm-hmm. into online? Um, and really, see, I, I totally agree with Steve on this one. I think genre is primarily a, a tool of the book selling industry, so they know how to shelf stuff and what categories to stick it into and also how to market it. Yeah. And the biggest thing about genre is it's just kind of a big picture for uh, – it's making a promise to the readers – that this is going to fit in this specific genre. So if they're in a mood for a horror novel, they're, they're going to know where to look. If they're in the mood for a romance novel, where you get in trouble on genre is when you make promises that you don't keep. Uh, and the reader goes in expecting one thing and they get something entirely different. And sometimes readers just, uh, you know, uh, they expect some weird stuff. Like we had a friend that uh, he writes these serial killer novels and, uh, Got a bad review because at the end, the guy's like, I don't like serial killer stuff. And it's like, well, no kidding. I got a bad review one time for Monster Hunter. Then it was like, I don't like monster books. I'm like, why did you purchase a novel called Monster Hunter then, sir? But never mind. Um, The thing about genre is uh, when you guys are starting out as writers, you could pick what genre you're going to work in. And that is totally fine. And the most important thing about that is when you're selling the book. Uh, You know, so it's like... If you set out to write a Western, you know, write a Western and then market it as a Western. But if you set out to write a romance novel and you market it as a Western, then you might have some trouble there uh, when people buy it and it's not exalt. There's no horses in it. There's no cowboys. uh, And it's just, you know, Jane Austen playing ping pong, whatever. Yeah. You know, the one time for me that the genre really mattered to me. It was when I was when I was trying to acquire an agent. Oh yeah, that's huge. And so what I was doing was I was I was going out. I, I knew what more or less genre my my book is, and I and and I'll and I'll talk a little bit later about the different ways in which you can pitch your book that that it will hit certain genres without being a complete lying scumbag, right? Yeah. But. So when I was trying to get an agent and before I decided that that really wasn't for me. Yeah, um, we're going to have a business episode here coming yeah. up. You know, I was talking, I, I was looking through the various agents out there um, who represented other authors with books similar to, similar in, in, in feel and approach to the, to the books that I was trying to sell. So I was looking around and, and that's how I would pitch the book to them. I'd say, hey... My book, yada yada, is a horror novel. Or if they, sometimes people have adverse reactions when you say the word horror. It so I'd say it scares a, some people. Yeah, so you say it's a supernatural thriller, even though you're saying the same dang thing. I get lumped in a lot with urban fantasy. Right. And urban, like we just talked about before, urban fantasy and horror hit all the same tropes, only it's the protagonists are more upbeat. Yeah. Or capable. Mm-hmm. So... To me, that was when genre, as an author, when genre really, really mattered to me. Yeah. Now, when I'm, as a bookseller, the genre matters because um, the, the yous and the me's in the world who, who, are, who are writing a lot, you know, we just, we just want to tell stories. And we understand that the genres are nothing more than tools in a toolkit. Yep. But the average reader out there if the average reader says, I want to read fantasy, then you say, okay, 
in your brain, you kind of exclude a bunch of stuff because you want to help the reader find what they want to read. Now, there's a collection of certain tropes that make up certain genres. Uh, When you say fantasy, right out the gate, the reader's going to assume, you know, magic, you know, knights, dragons, damsels in distress. Not necessarily, but but there's usually kind of a grand window, and and it's all kind of going back to Tolkien. Uh, but, but you say fantasy and it paints a picture that said, you've got guys like me writing, uh, you know, monster hunters, technically a fantasy son of the black sword is a fantasy. Uh, I'm primarily a fantasy writer and a lot of the stuff I do doesn't really fit all these tropes, but it fits some, but it's just, once again, a marketing tool. Yeah. Um, and so the same thing with like, um, thrillers, when you tell, when you tell people you have a thriller, they're expecting certain things they are expecting. If you say techno thriller, it paints the picture of Tom Clancy yep. where, you know, technology is a character, yep. uh, and a, and a pivotal you're, part you're of Michael the story. Crichton's. You're, you're, you're Michael Tom Crichton's. Yeah. yeah. And see, Michael Crichton's actually kind of funny because are they thrillers or are they sci-fi? Usually got shelved in thrillers. Well, and, and, the and the argument that I often have with people about Michael Crichton is that some of those are, are freaking horror. Yeah. Yeah, actually getting devoured by nanites and whatnot. Well, I mean, you know, you talk about sphere. You know, you're trapped underwater and there's monsters and stuff. That was such a good book till the very end. Until the very end. Then I threw it against the wall. Oh, my gosh. We'll talk about bad endings another time, and I think sphere is what we'll open with. Yeah. (laughs) Such a good book until that end. Um, But, yeah, so so genres are just making a problem. But as long as you stick to some of those fundamental tropes that people are expecting— then they're going to lump it in with that. Like people like to get all pedantic and argue about, well, this is this genre and this is this genre. Really, it's kind of pointless. It's really for English majors and people who haven't written a lot to get on panels at cons and debate, what are the rules of genre? Well, first off, there ain't no rules. No it's rules. crap. Um, because for any rule that any of these guys could suggest, guaranteed within a few minutes, we could come up with several books that are very successful, very popular, that violate every one of the rules they come up with. Yeah. Remember, like we talked about before, the only rules don't suck. Yeah, yeah, the only don't suck. You know, I look. Let, let let's talk about Harry Potter, for example. Okay, Harry Potter is it's a young adult. Sometimes it's middle grade in the beginning. Um, sometimes it gets pretty dang close to, to just being your straight up regular adult fiction. So it kind of straddles age groups for one. Yep. It takes place in our world, sort of. So you think it'd be an urban fantasy Kinda. or contemporary fantasy. But then it's it's in Hogwarts, which is our world, but not really, kind of. Straight up fantasy. Okay. There's magic. Definitely yep, fantasy. So fantasy. But there's like weird like Death Eater monster things that come and devour your souls. It gets hor- a little horror, horror places, especially for a young adult. Um. I mean, you've got a dude who's a werewolf, you horror, urban fantasy. Trope. Yep. So, I, I hope what you what you all see, or I guess what you're all hearing here, is how, when it comes down to it, genres are are just tools, and they're there for blending. And any person who says they only do one thing with their book is full of garbage, because yeah. pretty much everyone always mixes their genres yeah to some extent it's going to happen um all of my fan well not all of my but a lot of my fantasy series are actually when you get into them a little further they're actually science fiction Uh, or as far as the explanation of the fantastical elements actually has a science 
uh, future science explanation. Uh, not to give too much away. Okay, so I, I, Hard Magic's been wrapped up for years, that series, so I can talk about it. But in that one, it's straight up the most multi-genre thing ever because it is written in the style of your adventure pulp novels. Uh, it's also kind of a homage to uh, Raymond Chandler, hard-boiled detective stuff. It's an alternate history of the 1930s where all sorts of different things happened. Except it's actually a fantasy because people have magic. Only the way the magic manifests, it's superheroes, so it's a superhero book. But it's also very scientific magic. Oh, yes, because at the end, where we discover where magic comes from actually has what would be considered a science fiction explanation. Yeah. So that series, the Grimnor Chronicles, Hard Magic, which by the time this episode airs, I will have announced that we have a deal for a TV show. (laughs) I can't say anything yet, but this won't air for several weeks, so we're good. It should be good by then. Um but that is the most multi-genre thing I can think of. And it's funny because I wrote this and I didn't even know how to pitch it. I, that's one time where genres really matter is when you're pitching to an editor or Steve yep. mentioned an agent. And you want to be able to give them a little window view of, okay, it's a fantasy, it's a sci-fi. I pitched this as a fantasy alternate history. Uh, Tony Weisskopf, brilliant editor, came back and she says, well, it's actually a superhero story. Yeah, it is. So... You know, the funny thing is, so we'll get into this and, and we'll, we'll go into this before the break and then we're going to come back and we're going to kind of go step by step with that, that, that ridiculous tweet and, and kind of, as Larry likes to say on his blog, fisk it a smidge. Oh, we're going to fisk the snot out of it. So Larry and I often go to, um, to the various comic cons around the country in a, in a booth. Um, and what we do there is, it, our whole job there is to meet fans and sell books. That's our whole job. Now, because Larry and I have read each other's stuff, um, we end up standing next to each other because when one of us is gone, we, we sell the other's book. That's just how book selling works. works. Works pretty well. Now, the interesting thing is when I pitch when I pitch Larry's book, I call it Pulp Superhero Noir, Alternate History, 30s, 40s, America. I don't really, I don't go beyond that because there's no need to. It just confuses people. But there's no... There's no, like, genre tag on a bookshelf that says that. One, that'd be a really long tag with a lot of hyphens. Yeah. And, and so that's dumb. Famous Orson Scott Card quote was, you can tell it's a fantasy by looking at the cover because if it has trees in the background, it's a fantasy. And if it has metal with rivets in it, it's sci-fi. Dan Simmons disagrees. <laughs> I was like, if Dan Simmons, the trees would talk to you and the metal would Telepathically be... Telepathically through nanites. And the metal would be dinosaurs. from the past. Yeah. And it'd be dinosaur metal. And, it, and he'd make it awesome because he's Dan Simmons. <laughs> you know, now, for example, when me, when I pitch my book to people, uh, when I pitch my first book, Residue, to people, I tell them, I say, I, I just go pretty straightforward. I say, it's a, it's a supernatural thriller about a kid who can read or who can see the psychic residue left behind by monsters and murder victims. So, although that first part changes just a smidge. Because I always ask them, I say, oh, do you like horror? And if they say no, I say, this is a supernatural thriller. If they say yes, I say, well, great, this is horror. Because there's some horrific stuff happens in this. But what happens in a a lot of people's minds um, who who don't do this professionally is they they tend to completely categorize something in one area and then omit the rest. And if you don't fit into that neat category, they just they just jettison you, right? So the difference here is the difference between a horror novel and a supernatural thriller is 
it, it's a rounding error. It doesn't matter. Now, I have heard people say that it, it doesn't matter what someone says they like. They're like, oh, yeah, my book is exactly that. It's a romance novel. I mean, no, no, no. It's a fantasy novel. Just kidding. It's a sci-fi novel. I'm like, eh, let's not lie about where you're at. So when we come back, we're going to take a break now. And when we come back, we're going to delve more into that and more into the, the absurd, ridiculous tweet that we just read in the beginning. So we'll be back in just a minute. In 1933 New York, magic comes in two varieties, the all-powerful sorcerers who use their abilities to acquire wealth and fame, and the roomwrights who scratch out whatever meager living they can with whatever unimpressive spells they possess. Decidedly in the latter category, private detective Alex Lockerbie uses his limited magic to catch criminals, finding evidence and clues that are beyond the reach of the regular police. When a deadly magical plague is released in a Manhattan soup kitchen, the authorities fear it's a trial run for a more devastating attack. In an effort to prevent a citywide panic, they call in New York's resident sorceress, Sorsha Kincaid, to find the killer. Wanting to help, Alex instead finds himself under suspicion because of his ties to the priest who ran the soup kitchen. Now, Alex has his book of runes, a pack of matches, and four days to find out where the plague came from, or New York's preeminent sorceress will hang the crime squarely on him. In Plain Sight by Dan Willis is available in all formats from Amazon and is free for Kindle Unlimited subscribers. Grab your copy today. All right. Welcome back, everybody. So before we took a break, we were talking about genre blending and whatnot. And what we're going to do now is we're going to go line by line through this absurd tweet. And we're going to fisk it a smidge for you. Um, because it deserves it. And I was talking to uh, Jack, our announcer, earlier about how I should, whenever we read people's stuff, we should probably do voices. That way they can tell, we can tell, you know, the, 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 reader, the way the audience can tell that we are reading someone else's stuff. Oh, okay. Here we go. So, <clears throat> how's this going to go? Well, the best thing I've seen today, <laughs> fantasy is not a genre. All right, now first off, you would disagree with that, right, Steve? <laughs> it is a setting. All right, now, first off, <laughs> okay, th and then he says, genre is the summation of the plot, adventure, romance, etc." Okay, so, on that, my comment is, that's clearly wrong, because it says, fantasy is not a genre, it's a setting. No, that's garbage. That's garbage. And here's why that's garbage. Uh, we talked about this a, a little bit earlier, but we could take the same exact story mm -hmm. and put it in different settings and have different genres. Or we could take the same exact setting and put different stories in it and have completely different genres. Correct. And so this guy's got hung up on this thing that fantasy is like magical fairy castles and dragons and whatnot. But that's not the case at all. And uh, so, for example, urban fantasy uh, is, a, is a giant part of fantasy. Biggest stuff in it is, you know, Dresden Files, uh, uh, you know, um, that kind of thing. Start kind of like Mercedes Lackey was one of the pioneers yeah. of this, and Laurel Laurel Hamilton Laurel stuff Hamilton's is put there. Huge, and you're the, put there. So, and and she's considered, um, you know, paranormal romance usually. But uh, I, I get lumped in urban fantasy. The thing is, urban fantasy is primarily our world with something tweaked, and how big you tweak that thing. Uh, it just determines. I mean, you could have one little tiny thing tweaked, or you could have everything tweaked and it still gets lumped in the same setting and it's basically earth as we know it right now yeah so for example uh 
if I had an alien show up, oh, it's sci-fi. If I have a wizard show up, it's fantasy. If I have an alien wizard show up and he starts eating people's brains, it's horror. Okay? I mean, if it shows up on a ranch, oh, no, it's a Western. And if someone falls in love with the alien... I was going to say, if it shows up and it's sexy, it's romance. Or erotica. (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys see how malleable this stuff is, right? All right. So, let me go back to this tweet. Oh, dear. This explains why I don't like most, quote, fantasy books. Quote, the author is trying to write a setting as a genre, which sets off my cheese alarm. Yeah, my cheese alarm went off. Oh, my heavens. Yeah. I like that he put fantasy books in quotes. I don't know. This just shows that guy has zero concept of what's going on. Look. Whatever, whatever genre you decide you want to write in, um, understand that it, it doesn't really matter. Your, your goal is not to dissect what weird tropey rules someone else has decided and imposed upon you that should be going into a specific genre. Your job is to write an entertaining story. Exactly. So... The genre, the genre is not a setting thing. Uh, somebody on my Facebook page pointed this out, and I thought it was kind of hilarious. She said, by that criteria, Star Wars and Saving Private Ryan are the same genre. Pretty much. Why are Star Wars and Saving Private Ryan the same genre? It's a small group of people go to rescue someone who's being held by an evil empire. Whoa. Pretty much. <laughs> when she said that, I was like, oh, that's pretty spot on. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, you boil down anything to its most simplistic form, and, and it's all going to have a lot of similarities. Well, another thing, too, is how many Shakespeare adaptations have we seen where they've taken Shakespeare and thrown him into some weird mm-hmm. setting? Well, and, 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 and even beyond that. Romeo and Juliet is a gangster movie was my favorite. Yeah, that was, yeah, I did like that. That one was actually... That was all right. That was all right. Yeah. I, I just... I, I don't buy the concept that... That you're, uh, I I, uh, I cringe every time I I rehear one that voice for the guy because now I just assume that that's how he talks. Um, sorry, I, whoever you are, I didn't name you. I I don't I don't I don't I don't buy that that hypothesis at all. It's it's absurd. Um, that fantasy as a setting is is idiotic. I mean, well, as a guy, I've written science fiction, I've written fantasy, I've written thrillers. And honestly, I could take any one of those, and I guarantee that I could take any one of those same stories, those same characters, same plot, and I could port it over into a different genre. All I'd have to do is change a handful of elements, yeah. the trappings. Yeah, just change the curtains a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And it's this, it's honestly because it's all about story, it's about character, and it's about enjoyment. Um, people like to. Are you in the, the the biggest one you see all the time? Is Star Wars sci-fi or is it fantasy? And who cares? Who cares? It's Star Wars. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter. Though um, that said, I did argue with uh, that idiot reporter from the Guardian one time about it because he was all up his butt about how Star Wars was fantasy, not sci-fi. And I, I made a list of like sixty sci-fi tropes that you would see like straight up from Robert Heinlein that were in Star Wars. It has it has laser guns and spaceships and aliens and faster than light travel and clones. And computers, keep in mind this is from the 1970s. Robots. Robots. Yeah, and so it's, it's got all the sci-fi tropes. 
just because George Lucas is bad at at like um, sci-fi, at like the science, and he hand waved a lot of stuff, is irrelevant to the fact that you know it was fun and people liked it. Well, and well, because their hard sci-fi is its own genre. Oh, hard sci-fi is its own thing. Yeah, um, it's for people who like doing math. It, yeah, it's yeah. Now, the one thing I do want to say is is I do think that that when it comes down to it the where you put the focus on specific elements within your story is going to more or less determine what people say it is so for example um terry brooks okay you know you know terry i know terry Terry. he's a great guy um he was he was one of my first introductions into into fiction the very first fantasy novel i ever read Yeah. yeah and and i still remember being a young kid oh i must have been 11 or 12, and I was reading Elfstones of Shannara. Yeah, it's one okay. of my first ones. I think that was actually the first one I read. I love that. I think I read it before Sword. A lot of people end up doing that. No, I love Elfstones. Um, I, think it's a great, I think it's a great novel. And that was also a time when, um, when, when novels still had, like, illustrations and stuff in them. Oh, yeah, had and they were awesome illustrations in there. So I remember reading that book, and, and I remember specifically my mom being worried that I was reading this book. I mean, it was kind of her fault, right? I mean, she introduced me to these books, mm-hmm. but she was worried because she's like, "Yeah, it's that 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 book's a little a little violent and kind of scary <laughs> in some places." And I and and she had no idea when she handed it to me, to write. I know, right? Um, she handed it to me, and I was like, "Okay, well, whatever." And I started reading it, and one of the first scenes is when all the chosen in that book get freaking slaughtered and murdered and there's body parts hanging oh, from, yeah, from the, the room when the, demons show when, up. when the reaper shows yeah. up. Okay. The remainder of the book is these people going on this quest to save their their fantasy realm from a horde army of angry demons that are going to come and destroy the freaking world. And while they're doing this, the group is literally being chased and picked off one by one by a demon. So if I just say it that way, that's a horror story. Yeah, the way you described it there. And if you leave out the part with like the elves, if you no leave out the part know. about elves and yeah. dwarves and magic stones, and and it's a second total well, it's kind of a secondary fantasy world. If you if that's the only book that you read in the series, that's true. People don't realize it's future Earth. Spoiler: so, alert. This has yeah. been out for thirty years. We I, can spoil yeah, I it. hope it. I hope you can deal with that. More than thirty years. Ooh. Oh man. We're so <laughs> it's. I have this argument with people all the time, and they ask me what the first horror novel I read was. And I say, The Elfstones of Shannara. <laughs> and, they, and, and I do this for a couple of reasons. One, because I like to see their brains lock up, because that's funny. And also to illustrate the point that genre doesn't matter. Yeah. The, the, what matters is telling, telling a story to a 12-year-old kid that captivates his mind and not only turns him into a lifelong reader, but turns him into an author later. Yep. That's what mattered to me. If you turn this to future Earth, and instead of demons, there were aliens. All of a sudden, it's sci-fi. It's be sci-fi. Yeah, you know, and the, the thing is, it's, it's just kind of funny, because really, guys, the most important thing is for you as a writer is just genre is, a, 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 like we said, a, it's a tool in your toolbox. 
It's all about your ability to tell a story. And once you know how to tell a story, you can get away with all sorts of stuff. That said, there's some genres require certain skill sets because people expect certain things. Writing romance is actually a very specific challenge that a lot of writers struggle with. Uh, Writing sex scenes, if you're writing that kind of romance, is, okay, I love Tom Clancy, but Tom Clancy had no business writing sex scenes. That was the worst thing I've ever read. Baron the Dragon is, oh my gosh. One more reference to the Chinese secret agent's magnificent Wang, and I was going to kill myself. Um, <laughs> plus, also, it's it's a thing about what people expect, right? So you have certain skill sets, you have certain tools you want to show in that genre. A uh, review I saw one time was there was some sniper thriller, like military thriller, about the it was about this plot to the SAS was going to assassinate Saddam Hussein, right? It was a sniper book. But I guess like half the book was like a romance subplot. And so all the reviews I saw about it were people super pissed off that they bought a book about the assassination of Saddam Hussein by SAS snipers. And it's all like, you know, you know, romance. So just be aware. So you can blend genres. Uh, just tread carefully. It's like anything else you do. You can get away with anything if you're good at it. Well, and, and, and to go back to what one of the things you said at the very beginning of this of this show was it's all about the promises you're making. So when someone picks up a Diana Gabaldon story. Scottish time travel romance. Scottish time travel romance. But it's shelved in romance because that's the main deal. Yeah, the time travel secondary to the romance. Yes. Yeah. Because in, and if and if you just slide that scale just a little bit, it edges more to the to onto the sci-fi side for the time travel. Then you could shelve it there. But her readers expect certain things. Yeah. Well, like people like to bag on bag on Laurel because we're in the same basic genre. Yep. Uh, but the thing is, I think Laurel's incredibly talented. I, I think Laurel's amazing. And she gives her readers what they want. And in fact, her new series is not nearly as sexy as Anita Blake. I mean, it was, well, it's sexy, but it doesn't have like a lot of sex in it. But people, uh, and I, I'm, I'm one of the blurbs for that, by the way, I got to read the early version. Yeah. It's really good. Um, but people get all hung up on that and they're like, well, she just does this and this. The thing is, though, she has millions of readers who love that. And they know if they go to her in this series, that is what she's going to give them. And it's going to be good. It's what they're looking for. So in that vein, then, I, I think this ties really this ties really well into some of the things that we hear about, um, for example, you. I'm going to use you as an example right now, Larry. I've read a number of reviews of yours. And, and, I've, and I've met a number of your fans, obviously. And one of the things they always say, and it's the same sort of thing I say about guys like Robert McCammon, right? When I see a book with, with Robert McCammon's name on it or, or one of your fans sees a, name, sees a book with your name on it, they're going to buy it because they know what they are going to get. There yeah. are certain things that you do that transcend genre that, that, that are irrelevant based upon the genre that make it, that, that is entertaining to the people. And so they will go and buy, you write fantasy, urban fantasy, military thrillers, science fiction. Um, right now, I mean, you and I are writing or are, are about done with, and depending on when this airs, we'll be done with, um, our trench warfare fantasy. That's a gajillion different genres. And there's a lot of horror in our fantasy novel, by the way. Um, and yet, they will always come and buy that book of yours because you have made promises to them, kept those promises, and have, number one, 
entertain them. That's true. It's kind of like, I've heard this analogy before, I don't know how accurate it is because I'm not a chef, but I've heard that chefs, uh, like different, like really good chefs can switch uh, from different cuisines. They can switch to French, to Italian, to Japanese, to whatever, yet they still tend to have their own take that makes it distinctly yeah. that chef. I don't know if that's true. I just watched a lot of Iron Chef when I was young. I don't know if that's accurate, but it's the same kind of thing. Like Robert McCann, you pick up a Robert McCann novel, you expect certain things. Uh, David Eddings is one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you expect certain things. We mentioned Dan Simmons earlier. I think Dan is one of the best authors alive, but uh, that is a man who can flawlessly jump from genre to genre to genre. Well, and he has, and he's won awards in all the genres. Yeah, and he, the guy's brilliant across the board. And what happens, though, is you read this stuff, and it's like, you know, uh, you still, it's a, it's a Dan Simmons novel yep. and you expect in certain things and he delivers. I just did a, I just did a thing for Audible. It's a gritty cop show. I, I pitched it as Space Bosch. Yeah. Okay. Cause I want to do a gritty cop show story, but I wound up doing a sci-fi because I like it. Now, before we head out, um, I want to close with a, with a very short story and, and this will wrap us up. And it was one of the first panels that I was on with a gentleman that, that, that Larry and I know very well, uh, Lee Modisett Jr. Oh, great guy. Lee Modisett is, is a terrific human being, terrific writer, prolific writer, and a guy that, that I think that all up-and-coming authors should, should attempt to emulate in terms of productivity and business sense. Now, I was on a panel with Lee Modisett about this topic, the topic of, of genre and blending genres. And there's another guy on the panel. I don't even remember who he was, but he came on and he was talking about Venn diagrams and how you can't do things and, and how the only way you can blend genres is if you use the places where they, where they overlap. And I don't know. It was all sorts of weird sciencey bull crap. <clears throat> and the mic got passed to me and I was so flustered because... I, I just couldn't comprehend how idiotic it was. It was like it was like listening to this tweet from the beginning of the show. Did he sound like my voice? He totally did. He well, it, in my mind, he does now. In my mind, I might as well be the same guy. So, I took the mic and I just looked at the guy and I just kind of, I just kind of shrugged, and kind of shook my head in bewilderment and hand and handed the the microphone to Lee. And Lee looks at me. He's a little bewildered, and he looks down at the other guy who might who, by the way, came into the panel late, super bad etiquette. And Lee, who sold more than anyone on that panel combined, looks at the guy and goes, it, all of your genre and all of your, your storytelling doesn't mean anything if you write like crap. That's, that's Lee Modest. That's Lee Modest. That's a good... And that's a good, that's a good way for us to end, folks. Yep. Remember, your job is to entertain. All right. Please entertain us. I so think... with that, we're going to head out. So thank you all so much for joining us again today on the Writer Dojo, and uh, we'll see you next time. Writer Dojo is Steve Diamond and Larry Correa, produced by Jack Wilder and Baron Hair Studios. Theme song, Word Mercenaries, by Craig Nivo. New episodes come out every Wednesday, wherever you stream your content. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can help support us by going to anchor.fm slash writerdojo, by leaving us a five-star rating or review, and by helping to spread the word. All questions and comments can be emailed to questions at writerdojo.com. That's the best thing I've seen today. (laughs)